Hey guys, welcome back. No, you don't. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Oh, man. I'm Andrew. Lexi, how's it going? Oh man, it's great. <laughs> Life is fantastic right now. Yeah, nothing better than a uh, another botched intro to the show. Um, so for those of you listening, I usually end up cutting it out, but every single episode we record, I usually wait for Lexi to give me a signal, and I usually end up missing the signal and jumping in, and it's horrible. We have to redo the intro like four times, so we're just like, going to leave it. I feel like it might be easier if we had like like video instead of only audio. That way I could like give you a visual cue to say something, but we don't have that luxury, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. I'm going to live with my fuck up. But yeah, Lexi, uh, proud day to be a Rangers fan, even though you didn't even know what the fuck was happening. What's your reaction to the Rangers winning the number one overall pick in the draft lottery this year? I'm seeing a lot of people saying it was rigged. Um, I really don't even care if it was rigged, but we got the number one pick and I'm ecstatic. Ecstatic. I mean, after getting swept embarrassingly, it, you know, this just restored my faith a little bit you know maybe we can do something with this i see that we're gonna draft possibly um well how do you pronounce oh, there's no Alexis there's Le no possibly yeah he, he's the undisputed he's the undisputed number one pick this year it's yeah. like if mike trout was coming out as a beast uh it, that's the guy you go with and you take anybody else you fire your gm on the spot yeah and i have faith that the rangers won't fuck it up because we're not the mess so you know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, another disappointing day for the Panthers, but all hope is not lost because after we lost to the Islanders for the second time in four years in the playoffs, uh, we finally decided to move on from Dale Talon, uh, who's probably the biggest idiot in South Florida when it comes to managing a team. And that includes Jeffrey Loria from the past decade with the Marlins. That's um, an impressive so talent, talent to, to have. Yeah, Talon had a pretty low bar that he had to exceed, and he just couldn't do it. Um, there was a story that came out over the weekend where uh, the new owners hired like analytics dudes who correctly predicted players who are superstars in the league right now and wanted mm-hmm. to offer sheet. One dude that's on the Lightning that would have given the Panthers the best line in hockey for the past few years – and just reading that just makes me sick to my stomach because instead of that happening, we've just been dealing with idiotic leadership from the top up. So hopefully, fingers crossed, stuff changes. Uh, I recorded an emergency podcast immediately <laughs> after the Panthers lost. It's not getting released because I re-listened to it and I just sound very depressed and sad as a Panthers fan. Um, and I don't want to put anybody through that. Not that anybody cares because there's not many Panthers fans anyways, but <laughs> it's just not enjoyable to listen to. Uh, so on a different subject, let's transition to the MLB because there's a lot to talk about here. Hey, we got a lot going on. Um, we're in the heat of things right now. And I unfortunately had to watch my Yankees lose to the Rays three games out of four. It was depressing. That last game – was horrible. John Carlos Stanton is injured again. I just, I, we were so hot. I mean, we're still, I think we're still first in our division, but like we dropped off real quick. We got cold real quick. Yeah, I was concerned after Stanton's home run on opening day that the tide had shifted and the Yankees had finally won the Stanton trade. 
Um, but it only took a week and a half or two weeks, and now the Marlins, without a doubt, won the Stanton trade. So props to the Marlins for that. All right, uh, hold on. On top you of that, say that. Okay. hold on. You say that, but have, have you seen the graphic that Giancarlo Stanton has spent almost every single year in the majors with an injury? He spent time out, except for like I think 2017 and 2018, where like the only two years of his entire career in the majors that he did not spend some sort of stretch of time on the IL. So yeah, I don't he's. Think I don't think we lost the trade. I think there's a lot of just injury in his history. I don't think that has anything to do with the Yankees. I So I see it as more of a win for the Marlins because the fact that Loria gave him that contract was just ridiculous. He was never going to stay all 13 years in Miami. And when Jeter bought the team, it was evident that it wasn't going to happen. Um, so the, I guess from a financial perspective, that's where – the win kind of comes in because it really allowed for the new ownership to kind of clear the books and begin a new regime with the Marlins. Which evidently has been paying off. You guys are hot right now. Like still hot. It it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it does no. because it's 2020. But right. at the same time, we could put anybody out there right now. I saw Dontrell Willis the other day tweeted he wanted to go out there. I'm so fucking down for that. Put D-Train on the mound right now, and I guarantee <laughs> he'll go out there for six and a half innings and fucking throw uh, a complete game, shut out, no hits allowed, and yeah, we're hot. There's no other way to fucking put it. The offseason additions of like Aguilar and VR, uh, Monte Harrison's kind of coming about right now. There's just so much to be excited about as a Marlins fan. Um, and it's just awesome, especially because the Panthers are done now and I can kind of devote my attention to the Marlins again. And like you get to watch them win, which is like great. And the Monte thing. So I guess Mattingly made a comment that when Monte's up, he's up for good. Like when we bring him up, he's going to, he's there to play every day. So I think he's in, I think he's like an everyday guy now. I think this is it. Which is, which is just so fucking lit because we dealt with that with Brinson, who was the crown jewel of the Yelich trade, and he came up and he, he he was all right, and then just fizzled out. So hopefully Monte can keep the momentum. He's just so fun to watch out there. He's constantly running around, like making catches, willing to put himself out there. And then when yeah. he's hitting, the speed that he has, it's it's incredible to watch. It's like a lot of fun, and I can't wait for the Marlins. You're gonna see like some of the guys that they signed to the short term deals fade away and then you're just going to see a whole new young Marlins team that's ready to compete and bring in veterans and it's it's going to be fun I I have faith in the Jeter uh management style I think it's going to pay off and I'm excited to see what happens wow you have faith in the Jeter management style I love to hear that also I didn't tell you this earlier because I wanted to save it for the podcast so we can have some you know content but I had a dream last night that the Marlins traded for Francisco Lindor and they sent jazz and like three, two or three pitching guys. I think it was Guzman and Cabrera. And they traded those three for Lindor and you guys just like ran with it. I don't know where my brain is at right now, but the fact that that was a dream that I had last night is why? Why was that in my mind? <laughs> I think the most impressive part of that is that you remembered all three prospects and you were able to build a trade that realistically went through in your mind involving Francisco Lindor. 
Like, like, if that tells you anything about my subconscious is where in my mind is that all the time. Like, I don't know what else I can tell you about myself. Like, that is just my personality to a T. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. And then we didn't even talk about it last week, but holy fuck, the Mets. Oh, my God. The Mets are like, I, I didn't think it was possible for the Mets to out-Mets themselves, but they do it. They consistently lower the bar for themselves week after week. It's incredible. First, we get the Yoannis missing alert where they made it seem as if he was, like, a danger to himself and, like, no one knew what the fuck was going on. Turns out he just opted out. I... And just didn't tell anybody. I honestly was, I convinced myself that he was dead. And the fact that he just opted out, they sent people to his hotel room and it was just all packed up. And his agent, nobody like didn't say anything to management until they were like, after the game was over, or maybe like, I think towards the end of the game, they found out news broke that like, he had just decided to opt out without telling anybody. Like he just doesn't show up for a game, doesn't answer text messages, calls, nothing. Like I convinced myself that he was dead. I just thought he died. And that's the best way to opt out of the season, too, is just create mass hysteria, get your name trending for a little bit, and then be like, yeah, I'm just done. I'm on the Mets. What do you expect from me? Oh, yeah. It's such a cesspitous thing to do, too. Like, I I didn't even know that. So I was watching, like, the Minuteman that KFC did. And, like, I did not even know that, like, there's the cartel, like, brought him from Cuba. And, like, there was a whole conspiracy about when he, quote, unquote, got chased by a boar and broke both of his ankles. That, like, there was a whole conspiracy theory that the cartel came and, like, broke his ankles because they were coming to collect payment. Like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, well, I I haven't heard this. So this is breaking news to me. Oh, I got a sense of the Minuteman that KFC did because it, like, it was hilarious. And he was like, yeah, like, that's why the people thought he was dead. The cartel came and just killed him. And that's why he wasn't at the game. <laughs> like, and the crazy thing is, he's not even the only Met to opt out during the season. You get Marcus Stroman, who you were high on last year at the trade deadline for one of the young arms that you wanted the Yankees to add. Ends I up wanted with the him Mets. so bad. Yeah. All of a sudden just decides to opt out, which I don't really blame him. And then you were saying, what were you saying earlier about like his service time? So he has enough service time to go into free agency at, in the off season. So like, what did, done, like zero playing time with the Mets. And who like, did the they Mets? trade for him? Yeah, like, I don't remember. Did they give up a lot? Let me look. Uh, Marcus Stroman trade. Because that yeah, would, I don't know, but that the fact that like, one of the right? worst trades. Let's see. I just pulled it up. Um, my God, this stupid ad. Where is this? Okay, just don't tell me. Oh, um, in exchange for pitching prospects Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. So, have we seen them play at all for the Blue Jays? I don't even know who those names are, but yeah, I'm going to say right? that the so Blue was, Jays ended up winning that trade. It was Stroman and cash considerations to the Mets in exchange for pitching prospects Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods-Richardson. What? <laughs> yeah, it's news to gonna, me. So this was July 28th, 2019. So he has not played a full season with the Mets. He there was rumors that when he got traded that he like locked himself in a room in the clubhouse and like wouldn't come out 
and because everyone was suspecting that he was pissed that he got traded to the wrong New York team because everyone thought that he wanted to play for the Yankees also. And um, now he opted out and is probably going to be a free agent this offseason. How yeah, do you fuck that bad when you're the Mets? So I guess he had like an injury or something too. And like there was reasoning behind that. That's why people thought that he was opting out. But he was like, no, there's just like too much uncertainty or whatever. But like this is just peak Mets. Like you can't even get your own guys to play for you. Yeah, I fucking love it. And then they're, it's, they're not even the worst. I, I would say that's bad, but I think – the Cardinals are definitely the lowest on the MLB totem pole right now. And to everybody that attacked the Marlins for their COVID stuff, you owe me personally an apology. So I expect <laughs> a tweet, a text message, a Facebook message. I don't give oh, a fuck how you I send it. A handwritten apology. Send me an apology because you better apologize and start attacking the fucking Cardinals because one, fuck the Cardinals. I think that's really yeah. the only reason. Fuck the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, though, yeah, because they went to a casino and like the Marlins got called out. Called out because like one of the guys went and got milk. Like they went to like a store and got milk or whatever, and they were like giving them shit for that. And the Cardinals went to a casino, and then we have news coming out from our guy Jeff Passan Passan. I don't even know how to say his name, but he's our dude. Um, that Clevenger went out with another pitcher, another player from the Indians, they went out in Chicago, like, last week. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how you see what happened with the Marlins and the amount of attack that they got on social media, and deservedly so. They did break protocol after all, but, like, to see that amount of hatred, like, towards them and, like, concerns for the season and just decide to go out on your own, even though you know what's going to happen, it just doesn't make sense. And it shows that the MLB is still the most fragile sport of all of them because NHL and MLB are going to finish. Or NHL and NBA are going to finish. I'm sorry. MLB is going to get canceled at some point. And it's going to be because nobody has figured out how to learn a fucking lesson uh, about what's happened with these teams. I just don't understand why they don't have a bubble. That's my whole thing. Like, it's doable. There's plenty of facilities that have multiple fields that they could play on and just house teams in the area and, like, the vicinity to the fields and just have them play there. Like, it doesn't make any sense for these guys to just keep traveling. Like, I get they tried to section it off, like, East, Central, and West, but, like, there's no way to contain these guys when they're traveling from site to site. Yeah, it's just not going to work at all. No. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, anything else on the baseball side of things, though? Uh, Yeah, how about the brawl yesterday with the Astros and the, the A's? Ooh, did you see the reporting that came out today that uh, the bench coach, was it, um, said something to uh, Loriano that caused the incident? Yeah, something about, like, his mom. And then did you see Loriano said he regrets charging him because he's a loser? <laughs> Yeah, Loriano and Joe Kelly make up two fourths or a half. Oh my God, I can't believe I said two fourths. Two fourths. <laughs> they make up a half of the Astros Shame Tour of Mount Rushmore. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. When do the are the Yankees playing them at all this regular season? No, because they're West and we're East. 
Oh, so the only it would only be in the playoffs, right? Yeah. But it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, which fucking sucks. And especially sucks that there's no fans because the Astros going to the Bronx. Ooh. Oh, I know. So, okay, hold on. So Altuve and I believe Springer or Correa, one of the two. Oh, one of those two are batting 182 this season. 182. Wait, but why would they be batting lower than they have been before? That doesn't make any sense. It's almost like they were cheating or something before. There's, It just doesn't make any sense for these guys to be so hot the last three years, and then now they're batting 182? It doesn't I make just any love, sense. I love seeing all of their fuck-ups in the field. Like, did you see Altuve drop yeah. that pop-up the other day? Yeah. It's it's amazing how and that's what the great part about social media too is that they see all of this. They see that the entire baseball world fucking hates them and it's getting to them and it's evident that it's getting to them and I think it's only going to get worse from here on out and they're what 6 and 10 right now, 6 and 9. Yeah, something ridiculous like that. The Astros are 6 and 9 right now. Yeah, they're about to. Uh, their first pitch is about to happen against the Giants, who I personally am picking in that match just yeah. because I hate the Astros. Yeah, I mean, um, I just hope that when we get fans back, like I hope that the shame tour continues into whenever that may be, either next season or the season after that. Because they don't deserve to get a break. As long as these guys are still the core part of their that lineup, like I don't see anyone relenting on them. No, and they won't. Everyone missed out on it this year. We got a little bit of it in spring training, and then it was taken away from us. They're going to get what's coming to them. They haven't even seen the worst of it yet. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. The Shame Tour just trucks on. Yeah, and then we've got the bubble trucking along. Uh, Panthers and the Rangers obviously got eliminated. Um, so we have the Stanley Cup playoffs starting up. I actually have to make my bracket tonight, so I got to remember to do that. This is a this is a nice way to remember that. Um, <laughs> and then also the NBA playoffs are kind of winding down, or at least the seeding games, and we're gonna be guaranteed the eight nine play in game for the playoffs, which is gonna be awesome. Um, so the Pelicans have also been eliminated, which is nice because as much as Zion is like a fun person to watch on the court, it, it just wouldn't make sense for him to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, especially when you have like the Blazers and the Suns who are six and zero right now. Uh, and then the Grizzlies with John Morant, who's on fire too. Yeah. Um, and then transitioning to kind of like the biggest news of the past 24 hours. Uh, We talked a little bit about it last week, but college football, what are your thoughts on what's transpired over the last few days? I just see it getting canceled. Every conference is going to be canceled in the next week or two. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. I mean, ODU just canceled their fall sports, which means I I really think that CUSA is going to be very closely behind and just – canceling them all together for all of the schools. I just, I don't see it happening this season. 
Yeah, I'm completely with you there. And so we're currently, it's 9.15 on Monday. Um, as of now, what's happened is we've seen the MAC cancel. We saw the Mountain West cancel earlier. You just mentioned ODU. Uh, I agree Conference USA is probably going to end up being next. And then I think tomorrow is going to be the landmark day for college football with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 set to decide. And yeah. it the momentum is looking like there's going to cancel, but you've seen over the past like two days, everyone in college football, like Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Najee Harris, the guys of college football are all tweeting, we want to play. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a tough situation. I just feel like I feel like the the people who are in charge of the conference, the athletic directors of the schools, I just don't think they want to deal with the headaches of protocols that are coming that are going to come along with these guys playing. Um <clears throat> I just don't think it's worth their time because they're not going to be able to make everyone happy with the guys that don't want to play, don't want to risk their lives, and the guys that don't really care and want to play. I think that they're just going to have to make a decision and just say no if, like, X, Y, and Z isn't playing in this conference. Like, we're not going to play. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just feel like it's going to be less of a headache for NCAA and for these conferences to just cancel across the board than it is to come up with individualized plans of how to keep the players safe. And, you know, like, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm torn because I love college football. I spend a lot of time consuming it in, like, a lot of different outlets, like podcasts and Twitter and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I do think there's a value to the NCAA season, the football season happening. There's a lot of guys that are out there, and you saw Joe Burrow say it yesterday that, if he didn't have the season that he had last year, he wouldn't have been the number one overall pick. So I understand and I do agree that these guys need to get tape on film in order for them to solidify their draft stock. And I also agree with their messaging of, hey, it's going to be safer for us to be in the bubble uh, or at least whatever bubble the NCAA can kind of create within the conferences um, rather than them going home. Although there's been like some sort of reporting uh, that they wouldn't be forced to go home. They would just stay on campus and not be doing anything. Um, but that hasn't been confirmed. So, like, I see the benefits there. But I think the one thing about the whole we want to play movement that nobody's really talking about, you've seen a few people actually start to talk about it. Um, and it kind of comes off of the crazy crackpot theory that I had a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm kind of happy that, like, I was onto something and I wasn't completely crazy. Um, it's just, I I think amateurism is at stake here. And I think as many restraints that you put on these kids, um, to force them to play the sport uh, and all of them want to play, obviously, um, with their messaging, but with them joining the, we are united campaign of like the PAC 12 and the big 10, like there's just so many legal issues sitting there for the NCAA that I think they're going to use. COVID is a scapegoat to get out of having a season. Yeah. But the real reason is going to be that A, there's liability, like you mentioned, and B, there's just so many legal challenges for these uh, student athletes to kind of pursue and really get the representation and whatnot that they deserve. And I think that that's what's going to lead to the season getting canceled. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think, like you said, there's just so much liability. I think that the money that they're going to lose 
for not playing this season, the legal side of it definitely outweighs that because they don't want to go through that headache of having to actually listen to player demands, adhere to them, and come up with a situation that's going to benefit them. They don't want to deal with that. I think that they'll just take the loss on the 2020 season instead of having to deal with these real issues that should be addressed. And they're absolutely going to use COVID as, like you said, a scapegoat or like a cover for the bigger issue at hand and just keep putting it off as long as they can, because they're at some point they're going to have to address these issues because it's not just COVID related. Like, like we've talked about before, like these are issues that are important to these students because they're human beings and they're athletes and they're treated as professionals, but not compensated as professionals. And I think that the longer that the NCAA puts it off, they're just going to keep trying to put it off as long as possible is what I'm trying to get at. And this is the perfect yeah, excuse this year is COVID. Yeah, you're completely on the dot there. I think we've both been on the same page for a while. Like both of us have had the opportunity to work within intercollegiate athletics over the past few years. Uh, you with your experience with baseball and then uh, me getting the opportunity to work with basketball this past year. Um, and like a lot of people, I think the biggest issue is like a lot of people still see them as just football players or just basketball players, especially on campus right. and not their peers. And I know we got into this before, so I'll kind of cut it short. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's so much out there and everyone, everyone now, like you saw Trump tweet today, we want college football. Um, if the president yeah. is retweeting Trevor Lawrence, like that's huge. And that gives momentum. And if you want them to play and you're all in on the, we want to play side, then you need to be backing them when they speak out against police brutality exactly. and uh, systemic racism and all of this other stuff that they've been talking about for months and right, not like just be, yeah, you can't be shut up and play football at, at this yeah. point. That's a ridiculous mindset to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's sad to like see people like that. Like I've, I've talked to a few people who are of that mindset and it's really, it's kind of hard to see, especially with these people being our peers, like, and not seeing them as anything more than someone you go out to watch on a Saturday and root for. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit different for me going to FAU and like people that go to smaller schools that don't, that aren't as big market as like an FSU or an LSU. I feel like we don't see these guys as much as like celebrity athletes as some students do on other campuses of that go to bigger market that go to like SEC or ACC schools. Um, I don't know, but that's definitely an issue that's very prevalent in the college football and especially college basketball, like realm that these kids are treated as superstar celebrity athletes when they're really your peers. And it's hard yeah. for to kind of separate that. Yeah. And we can just continue to go like on and on about this. Like, it'll just end up being the same thing over and over again. Um, but yeah, we, we've both been on the same page for a while and it's just, it's sad to see that people don't really value student athletes and like see, cause I think that's one of the coolest things to come out of the past few months. And like, I tweeted about it yesterday. Um, but seeing 2020 and seeing uh, these kids realize the amount of power that they have, where the institution has kind of been built to say, Hey, you're coming in, you're going to be on a scholarship and like, that's it they're kind of realizing that they have a lot more power than that. And you saw it with Kylan Hill uh, in Mississippi. You're seeing it now with Trevor Lawrence, who's literally doesn't need to play a single snap this year. 
because he's going to be guaranteed $25, $30 million in <laughs> April regardless. Um, and you see these guys fighting for the sport, and it's awesome to see. But if you're not gonna, if you're gonna back them for that, then you need to back them when they're fighting for equal representation at the table when it comes to the NCAA. Exactly, but like they're not gonna because it doesn't benefit them in any way. When they play, it benefits them. But when they're fighting for equality and and rights as humans and students at the university, they don't want to hear it. Which where they're getting to the point now where they can't turn that blind eye anymore. They're gonna have to face the music. They can push it off as long as they want, but they're gonna have to face it at some point. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything else to add? I'm kind of out of everything. No, man. I'm like yawning over here. <laughs> You're yawning at 9.24 on a Monday? Yeah, I'm an old woman. My bedtime is in like a half hour. That's crazy. I don't fall asleep till like 3 or 4 in the morning now. It's awful. Yeah, no, I, I can't do that. I wake up at like 8 a.m. every day. Like to an alarm or you're just waking up on like naturally? My alarm goes off at like 7.30, 7.45, but I like actually am up and ready to go at like 8 o'clock. That's crazy. I blame it on my days when I was working for the Marlins. I just never broke that cycle because I would have to wake up at like 5 every day to get ready and drive down to Miami and to be there by 9. Yeah, that's true. I The adjustment to a 9 to 5 for me is going to be horrible. Yeah, you're going to have a, a hard time with that. Also, I just want to say, I know you said if the Marlins win the World Series this year, you're claiming, you know, bragging or whatever you're saying it's you're doing. But I would just have to say that that is false. And my February to March involvement with teams, if the Marlins win this year, will have proven to be World Series winning involvement. Happened with the Nats last year, and if the Marlins win it all this year, I'm claiming that fame. It is because of me. I think that's fair. Um, but then why are you working your magic with the Nats and the Marlins? Like, shouldn't you be helping the Yankees out somehow? Okay, shall I go into detail of what happened? The Nationals thing was not me working for them. It was something just of chance of me being a season ticket holder and going to their – spring training games okay and <laughs> the Marlins I got a job there because I live an hour from Miami and I attended a job fair there and they gave me a job if I could do this for the Yankees I would they just need to give me a job first or I just need to do the thing during spring training you just got to break into Yankee Stadium and say I helped orchestrate the Nats and Marlins World Series hire me <laughs> and maybe it'll work. Hire me, give me a job. I'll just work in a media company that covers the Marlin the Yankees. Oh, not the Marlins. Whoa. Whoa. Switching up your allegiance man. there. No. <laughs> I was talking about the Marlins before, but the Yankees. Hey, hire me. I'll World Series guaranteed. I'll bring it. I promise. Just give me a ring. I'm going to be so pissed if the Marlins win this year and I'm not working for them anymore and the front office gets a ring and I would have gotten a ring. I don't know if I would have gotten a ring as an intern, but still, I'd be pissed. You got to ask your connections for one because yeah, I think they owe you a ring. They loved me. I'll just text my old boss. Be like, hey, man, <laughs> can I get a ring? <laughs> Hook it up. I need that bling. <laughs> You can just give me the fake one. Just don't tell me. You can just tell me it's real. It doesn't have to be. I'll never know. 
All right. I think that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Lexi, any uh, final words here? Uh, go Yanks. <laughs> All right. Go Marlins. Let's hit that outro music. Everything is great.